Welcome in once again, Women Really Mean Business, presented by Athena International. If you ever have any suggestions for us, just go to the contact section of womenreallymeanbusiness.com. We appreciate any positive suggestions you can give us that will help us grow this show. We're always on the lookout to improve, as all of our guests advise you to do on a regular basis. So we take that advice to heart ourselves. All right. So our guest this week, her name is Elise Glink, and she's a content expert and she has a lot of helpful tips for you but more important this podcast is all about being bold enough to listen to your instinct based on what you are seeing at the ground level even if others don't agree with you so you definitely don't want to miss this episode you don't want to miss the athena international conference coming up this month there's details at the top of womenreallymeanbusiness.com or you can go to athenainternational.org but let's get to our podcast it's episode number 49 and we're starting right now. Welcome to Women Really Mean Business presented by Athena International, the podcast that tells you the story of how women are impacting business one guest at a time. Now here's your host, Jeff Bolitnikoff, with another successful woman and her unique business journey. Women Really Mean Business, presented by Athena International. I'm Jeff Vlitnikoff, and I am with Elise Glink. And boy, she does a lot. Uh, in fact, she's an award-winning, nationally syndicated columnist, radio talk show host, and a communication and media strategist. Plus, she's an innovator in content marketing and the founder of four Chicago-based companies. She has Think Link Media. Her latest company is Best Money Moves. And oh my gosh, Elise, there's just so much there. And I always like to, first of all, welcome. Thank you. It's nice to be here, Jeff. Uh, it's very nice to have you. And I always like to start with the guest and, you know, you can go over bios and really kind of give, I guess, the basics of everything, but I love the story behind the bio. So if you'd like to dig in and tell your story as to, first of all, your vast amount of experience, and then also what brought you to this point. And I I guess it's fair to call you a serial entrepreneur. (laughs) Well, I always start these kinds of conversations with the, you know, the comment that I'm really the very last person in the universe that you would ever expect to be in the world of benefits. And that's because I've spent an entire career as a nationally syndicated financial journalist book author, radio talk show host, television personality, and as you point out, serial entrepreneur, starting up all kinds of different companies. And, you know, go. it's funny when you've had enough time in a career, like it just takes all sorts of twists and turns. But, you know, with a, a crazy amount of twists and turns, my story begins, I don't know, about 20 something years ago when I started freelance writing and I built that into a very successful business of doing all sorts of media, but all in the area of personal finance. So I've written 14 books on personal finance. I have almost a million books in print and I published my most recent book last year. I have uh, been nationally syndicated as a columnist. I read a column called Real Estate Matters that runs in about 40 newspapers, including the Washington Post, Chicago Tribune, the LA Times, Sacramento Bee, and I don't know, 40 others. And then was a television personality on WGN-TV, home of the Chicago Cubs. I think now, though, they have the White Sox. Can't keep up. It goes back and forth. But for them, I was the money reporter one of very few in the country um, other than on CNBC 
really looking at different kinds of real estate and personal finance issues, state tax law issues, things that were coming up that affected local people in Chicago and in their pocketbook and in our viewing area. And then finally got affiliated with WSB in Atlanta, which is a major talk show uh, station down in Atlanta, metro area. Uh, it's kind of the flagship of Cox Media. And what they did is they put me in as the fill-in for a guy named Clark Howard. And Clark is, you know, a nationally syndicated host himself. He talks a lot about how you should spend less, save more, avoid getting ripped off. That's his mantra. I adopted that mantra. And then they had me start my own show on Sunday mornings where we were up against church on the radio, basically. <laughs> I was about number 30 in the ratings. And then when I finished my run on that station about 16, 17 years later, I was like number one. So it's been a really interesting and varied media career. And from there, I got the opportunity to work with some very large financial services companies creating large enterprise platforms for them, digital places with communication strategy built in, a whole lot of content that reached out and touched their customers, clients, and consumers, just general consumers and employees. So I did that for a long time, worked with Discover Card, Equifax, uh, did a big project for Humana in the Medicare space. Um, and many, many others. And then I uh, that led to, after the recession, looking around and starting to get hired to build financial wellness portals, places where people could go and buy things, not that anybody needed to do that after the recession. And finally, after I was you know, creating the third one for a bankruptcy company, I thought, you know, there's a better way to help people. And that's when I started to design Best Money Moves. So let's talk about Best Money Moves. And it's really something that I'm I and, and I don't want to guess wrong here, but it seems to me that it is something that would be added to an employee's benefit package. So they log in, it's cloud-based and allows them to pay down. And I'm just reading from your bio here. It's a mobile first financial wellness solution. The companies provided their employees to help them pay down personal debt and improve their financial lives. And the result for companies, of course, is lower turnover, absenteeism, financial stress, higher employee engagement, productivity and productivity, lower health care costs and better health outcomes because you get your money right. Then a lot of those other things can follow. You get that stress off. So maybe tell me about that is that it, people uh, benefit of work and then um, how did you really kind of put it into practice and continue to improve it for people? So it's interesting, Jeff. You know, my insight as a radio talk show host is what really came into play here. When I would get on, I have a radio talk show and I would start to interview people and they would call in with their money questions and I would say to them, so Jeff, tell me why you want to refinance your home. And I started to get answers, you know, instead of just answering the question of how do I refi, when I started to dig a little deeper, what I learned is that there are so many different reasons people want to refi their mortgages. And that's just one example. And when you start to dig in and you realize that there are different reasons behind it, you also realize that to solve the problem correctly, you need to understand the reasons and the motivations. And it led to a really a light bulb going off in my head which is that with technology today, and this was not possible seven years ago or even six years ago, technology today allows for the personalization of benefits. It allows an employer to ask you, an individual, through technology, 
how can we better help you be a better employee? And so many employees today, in fact, the latest numbers came out from the Career Builder Survey, 78% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck, including people, 10% of people making over $100,000 a year. That is a whole lot of people broke. And if you're the employer and you can reach out and help people at scale, So whether you have 50 employees or you have 5,000 employees or 500,000 employees, if 78% of them are living paycheck to paycheck, you have a problem as an employer. And so how do you leverage technology to help people all the way down at an individual level without literally going around with a paper and pencil and saying, so Jeff, how can I help you today with your benefits? That's not obviously sustainable. And so as I was thinking about how do I help people make better decisions with their money, which I've done for my whole career, And how do I do it in a mass way? And yet, how do I personalize that and allow people to have the experience they're having with whatever issue they're having, whether it's elder care issues because they're caring for an older loved relative who is ill and needs help financially and physically, or they've got student loans that they're trying to pay off, or maybe it's health care and they've got a health care issue they can't afford their high deductible health care plan that the company has instituted. Whatever the problem is, there had to be a way to dig in and allow employees to raise their hands and say, hey, this is my problem. Help me. And so unlike any of my competitive companies out there, you know, that are that also are in the financial wellness space, I decided that we would take this interview technique, this this digging in and allow people to raise their own hands that I learned from radio and I would apply it with technology. And so I created something called the stressometer and the stressometer is a dial that goes from one to 10. We have use it as our primary assessment tool. We have 15 categories that we measure financial stress in. And once you measure it, it starts the engine of our site going. We have a huge deep well of content, which you'd expect from somebody who's written 14 books and, you know, 20 something years of syndicated columns on the topic. So we have deep, deep content that's all been written in a, you know, very objective way that doesn't sell anything to anybody. And you allow the employee to measure their level of stress. And then we send them solutions based on the number that they're registering and what else is in their profile. And so we use smart technology, we put it in the cloud and we put it on their phones. And that's the essence of what we're doing. We're trying to help people better understand their problems, understand that there's a solution through those problems and give them the budgeting tools and gamification and free credit scores and, you know, personal finance experts they can call all of which helps them reduce stress. And that's really the key for employers, because if you can get people to stop thinking about all their money issues during their day-to-day lives, they're going to be focused on the job you're paying them to do. So what kind of feedback have you gotten from employers that have adopted best money moves? And I know in your bio, you say that there's lower turnover, absenteeism, lower health care costs, all that stuff. But what are some of the personal stories that you've heard back from HR managers that have successfully installed and are using this program for their employees? Well, it's been incredible, Jeff. I mean, I always thought this would work. I just didn't realize how well it would work. So we have, you know, when we roll this out, we priced it at a super low price point because we want everybody to use it. We don't want this to be priced to be an obstacle for HR managers. So we priced it low and we priced it for everybody in the the population. So if you have 100 people, everybody gets it. If you have 1,000 people, same thing. We The first thing to look at is who's using it. 
So it turns out that we have a usage rate of about an average of 35%. And we have as many in some of our companies, as many as 69% of all people using it, which makes sense if you think about the fact that 78% of people are broke and living paycheck to paycheck. They're going to have questions and they're going to have issues and they don't know where to turn. And increasingly, they're turning to their employers to give them financial wellness. It's actually the number one requested benefit. So we have this incredible usage rate. People stay on the product for 10 minutes at a time. They look at 12 pages. They're reducing stress. Financial stress has literally gone down in some of our companies as much as 11 and a half, 12 percent. And we're seeing a rise in credit scores in one of our companies, which implemented credit scores when we started a couple of months ago. We've already seen credit scores rise about uh, 15 points, which when you're at the lower half of that scale, every 15 points is really significant to give you more access to better, cheaper credit. So we're starting to see this incredible usage. People are feeling better. We're getting, we have a very high user rating. We have about 4.7 out of five with hundreds and hundreds of people. And they have, to your point, written us, I I won't call it love letters, but we're getting little like text, love text from them. And it's like, thank you so much for bringing this to my company. This has really helped me calm down. I understand that I can take these steps and solve this problem. I'm letting my manager know this was a great benefit. And that kind of stuff just, you know, makes our heart sing because really what we want to do is we want to help people take control over their money. And I know from all my years of helping people do this, that you can do it. It, You don't have to be a brain surgeon. You don't have to be a CFP, a certified financial planner. You don't need your series seven. All you need is a willingness to look in the dark corners of your financial life and read about how to fix it and then put some of our suggestions into action. Let's talk about the why of why you have started all these companies and continue to start these companies. Because now me having a media background, I know that your major market experience, for those that don't know, all TV markets are pretty much rated and it's based on population size from one to 200. Now, something in like maybe North North Dakota or something like that, that might be market 189 or something. But Chicago is market number three. Atlanta is a top 10 market. At least Chicago was number three last time I checked. <laughs> so you had a and could still have a a huge career in broadcasting, but you kind of got away from all that. You started these entrepreneurial ventures. You continue to do the entrepreneurial ventures. So tell me what kind of got you from really the safe and secure world of major market broadcasting that you were very good at or still very good at to being an entrepreneurial startup person. I think I've always had an itch that needed scratching. Right. I see opportunities as a journalist. You're trained, you know, you're trained. I was trained anyway to see trends and in covering the housing and personal finance industry all these years. You know, you look down the down the line and you see things that just don't make sense anymore. In fact, in 2004, five and six, I was telling my colleagues that we had a real problem in this country with people getting loans that they absolutely couldn't afford. I was writing about it. I was talking about it on my radio show. People thought I was nuts. Even a couple of weeks before everything blew up in 2007, I was on my radio show in Atlanta Sunday morning talking about how everything just felt wrong and showing, you know, saying, well, there's this number and this number and this number. They just don't make any sense. And 
I started taking calls and a guy called in from who, who owned a Lexus dealer. And he said, Elise, I love your show, but boy, you just don't get it. Like I'm having my best year ever. And I said to him, call me back in 2018 and let me know if that continues. And sure enough, about two weeks later, you know, the world blew up. Because, you know, again, when you're looking at, you know, all these economic numbers, I was hearing people call in and and just say, I'm so frustrated. I feel so broke. I can't make this number work. I'm I'm running into a problem with my mortgage. My mortgage is adjusting. You know, all the things that we later came to see were big problems. I was hearing about it at kind of a ground level. And if it wasn't there, I was getting it in my syndicated column, you know, questions from people. And so, you know, it occurred to me that people were really struggling and they were broke. And it took a few years for me to put together uh, the kind of pieces. I needed a little more experience. I needed to build this big website for Discover Card and another one for Equifax and another one for Humana and another one, you know, for these different companies to really understand in a new media environment, what would be a better way to reach out and touch people? And frankly, with the collapse of the world of media, I, you know, I also reading the tea leaves was thinking I better find a backup plan just in case this major make media market experience thing doesn't hold out. But what I found is that I loved starting new companies and I, while nobody really likes huge amounts of stress and risk, I'm better suited to it than many of my media colleagues would be. And I just saw doors opening and I thought, well, I'm going to just step through there and see if something makes sense to me, if there's a way forward. And that's kind of how all of these companies got off the ground. Well, let's talk because there's a lot of people in our audience right now that are listening that maybe are in the same boat you were, a very stable day job, but maybe some concerns about it, and then thinking about going into the entrepreneurial world. So, and I've never asked this question before on the show, and it's kind of an off the top of your head type of topic, but if you could give me two things, one thing that you thought was that you thought would be easier than it was and one thing that you thought would be harder than it was as you got into the entrepreneurial world? Well, it's sort of interesting, Jeff. Best Money Moves is a very different company for me. It's by far the biggest financial investment I've ever made. Uh, I have employees, which I've never, I just used to do everything with outside contractors. So this is my first go around with this number of employees and we're growing. So uh, that's exciting and nerve wracking too. I I think the scariest thing is it just, this company, the way that it's rolled out, it's just taking so much longer than I expected. My other companies, I got them off the ground faster, relatively speaking faster. And I knew the path and where it was going to lead. This path has been a little bit harder to crack. It was a brand new industry. I benefits. I didn't understand how the broker relationship worked. It took a lot longer for the platforms and other things that I saw two, three years ago to come to fruition. And and the adoption curve for financial wellness, people understanding that people were 10 years out in the best economy we've had in 12 years, people were really suffering. They're still suffering. You know, there was so much wealth lost in the Great Recession and you can't listen to somebody saying, you know, to the government saying, oh, it's the best economy ever. And yet 78 percent of people feel broke and are living paycheck to paycheck. There's such a disconnect there for me as a financial reporter that it has taken a while for companies to get on the plan and understand that they have to be part of the solution 
or at the next downturn, whenever that appears, which is looking sooner rather than later, they're going to be in real trouble. And so, you know, the scary thing was that that was your first question. Like, what was the scariest thing was the not knowing how it would all play out and how quickly it would play out. But the rewarding thing is that we now have dozens of companies on Best Money Moves and it's working. People are using it. They're feeling better. They are taking control of their money. And that just has huge benefits for employers. I would be remiss if I didn't ask this question about with all your experience in the world of content and content to me, and this is not a new idea. I mean, I follow a lot of Gary Vaynerchuk and Gary V, Gary V Media, sure. and a lot of us know about him. And he basically says, and I kind of want you to react to all this because this is, this is what you do. You are a content expert. As you just said earlier in this interview, the, the content that is on Best Money Moves is deep and very and something that you would expect. But Gary Vee says, if you think you have enough content, you have not nearly enough content. And, and the world has changed. And maybe you could speak to that. Uh, and this affects every company listening right now. So any, anything that you're doing, whether you're a startup entrepreneur or you have thousands of employees, you need content. And I'd like to get your take on all that. I think that's right. I think Gary V, and I'm a follower as well. I think he's right about that. But I, I do think that it's important for all companies to think about what that content is, who you're trying to reach, and how are you going to get the message out in a way that people are going to understand there's something to act on and then act on it. I think companies really have a content break. And I've done a lot of content consulting for many, many companies and coming up with a content strategy, hiring the right people to put that plan into place, understanding how to roll it out and on a varied, but also very regular sort of basis using all different forms of content. You have to be open to all of that and testing and probably failing with some of it. But the basics still hold, right? You need a lot of it. You need it on a regular schedule. It's got to be SEO friendly. You've got to find a way to deliver it to people in a way that they can consume. And so if you're if you're listening to this, I would say uh, think very carefully about that strategy, because the strategy you design is the strategy you're going to have to live with because it takes so long to then get the resources in place, create the content, implement the content. It's not an overnight procedure. And I think that companies really don't understand that and they don't understand the benefits of content. But if they did, uh, I think they would see the results in their bottom line. Okay, let's talk about that. So, And and there's three things that I want to dig into here, but they're all they're all kind of one in the same. So because there's people listening right now that probably you mentioned content and tailoring it to their audience and SEO. You've just scared a lot of people right there and and, and not on purpose, of course, but it's just something that if somebody's not familiar with it again, you know, with your background and stuff, it's really kind of like a fish to water, but people that maybe don't have all that experience, first of all, a, what is their, I guess it's really two things instead of three things, but A, how does this impact their bottom line? And B, if I'm a brand new newbie in content, you see how I did that new newbie? That's Ooh, <laughs> clever. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd like to claim credit for clever, but unfortunately uh, it was kind of a mistake. But anyway, but uh, <laughs> if they are brand new at it, where do they get started? So, so the two questions are basically, how can this impact their bottom line positively? And if they know nothing about it, how do they 
they get started? Sure. So I think that if you know nothing about content, you probably, if you're at all successful in, in business or you want to be, you will know something about who's buying your product. So you start out at the very basic level. Are you looking business to business or are you business to consumer? B2B, B2C, or are you B2B to C? right? The end, who is the end user of whatever it is you're offering? And how do you connect with them? What's important to them? What tone of voice do you want to use with them? Just think about, you know, when your parents used to talk to you, you knew when they were angry at you and happy with you, uh, supportive and, and concerned and worried. You knew all of those different tones of voice with your parents. And when it comes to talking to your clients, there's a tone that your company should develop that is the tone of voice and that permeates everything. And some companies want to be helpful and educational and some companies want to be voice of authority. And so understanding how your people, your consumers, your end users are going to hear your message and understand what you want them to do. That's really the beginning of content generation and content strategy. So you want to understand who your buyer is how you're going to reach them, what channels you need to reach them, what kind of social media thought leadership you're going to develop, what you can do. I used, I created these for, for many of our different clients over the years. The new I call it the new newsroom, right? Newsrooms used to be a bunch of press releases on a website. And the new newsroom scrapes data from all parts of the company and cre- you create your own news and content well or hub in your newsroom and it becomes this new newsroom where you're pushing out your message to everybody, accelerating or, or leveraging up that message through social media platforms, regular channels like public relations and media as well. You push all of that out, but how you talk to people, how you get them to do what you want them to do, that is the beginning of the strategy development let's call it. And then once you've got that in place and you understand that and how you want to write it and how you want to create it and craft it, you hire those people to do it and oversee it. And then you do implementation and production. And then you look and check responses. You see whether are sales going up? Are you getting more people in your pipeline? Has, you know, are you expanding your markets? Are you hearing from people you never heard from before? So there's a lot of different ways to get at that. And then at the end of the day, it's, it's all about, keeping it up, engaging in a way that makes sense over the long run for as long as you plan to have your business. And I really think that when you find your voice with your content, and as you say, you engage with your audiences in a way that they want to be engaged, that has a positive impact on your bottom line over time because people want to do business, especially these days with all the choices with people they like. And your content can be that vision And that look into your business that they can't just get from your logo or your website. It really allows them to peer behind the scenes, if you will. We will hear more from our guests in just a second. But first, Athena International has a big event coming up in October and you should be there. Let's take a pause and get the details from event co-chair and Athena International board member, Sherry Jones. Want to enhance your leadership skills? Join us this October in the beautiful Hudson River Valley, New York for the 2019 Athena International Women's Conference. We're celebrating the 20th anniversary of the Athena Leadership Model and the impact of the eight principles of enlightened leadership. Register at becomingathena.org. 
It does. And it needs to. I think companies are not as transparent with some of their content as they could be. And I'm not talking about state secrets and giving all that away. Right. This isn't that's not what we're talking about. But learning how to share, how to be engaging, how to be authentic, have an authentic voice of the company. This is something that millennials and Gen Zs do absolutely naturally. And they are bringing Gen X and baby boomer managers along kicking and screaming. And so it's a great use of younger resources to bring them in and have them harness their energy and their natural authenticity and their their naturalness in front of the camera. I mean, these generations grew up with cell phones that had cameras and they're constantly Snapchatting themselves. They know how to build that kind of content. And you as the managers have to understand the voice and the tone, how the engagement strategy is going to look to put it into place. And then you just have to test, figure out what's working, what's not working. Are you getting the metrics you desire? Rinse and repeat. Well, let's talk about some Athena-based questions. And as we record this, uh, you are just about a month away from the Athena conference in New York, and you're going to be one of the speakers there. And by the way, uh, I'll do an aside here. Uh, as far as content goes, because Elise and I could really do a two-hour podcast on content alone, but I do suggest you go to thinklinkmedia.com, and it's G-L-I-N-K is how you spell her name, thinklinkmedia.com, and you'll be able to connect with her and her team there. But Elise, so you're going to be speaking at the Athena Conference coming up in uh, the Hudson Valley in October 21st and 22nd. Of course, we have a link on the website to that, and you should definitely... Definitely plan on going if you are not planning yet because you still have time to get there. But at least let's talk about Athena and what Athena means to you and just kind of your anticipation for the conference. Well, I think that I'm always excited to go to places like this and conferences where super smart people, women, you know, are there sharing their experiences in the working world, um, passing along insights and connections, and really the free flow of high-level information so that you feel like you're connecting on a deeper level. When you have the opportunity to do that with the kind of people who are going to be at this conference, you just don't say no to that. And so I'm super excited to meet Andrea for the first time. I don't know any of the people on my panel. It's going to be a great discussion about media and about engagement. And so I'm really looking forward to those kinds of conversations because in your day-to-day life, you don't get that as much. But when you go to a conference, you're kind of entering this other world. It's kind of like when you used to have sleepovers as a kid and you're out of your natural environment. And so if you can find people to open up and really share, you can create lifelong friendships. And that's what I'm probably most excited about. And I think the, like you said, the dynamic nature of that conference, really women supporting other women, I think is one of the really most alluring features of a conference like this. It is. Uh, yeah. There's just so much bad press that women managers and women senior leaders get that they're not supportive. And I, I think this is a narrative that And because you're in the media business, Jeff, you know how this works, right? You're producing something, somebody knows somebody who knows somebody, and that's your story because you don't really have time necessarily to do all the rest. And the bad stuff gets talked about more than the good stuff. But I think there's a concerted effort going on right now 
around the country for women who are CEOs and senior leaders to show that there is so much more cooperation out there than people who are competitively out to get each other. And sure, yes, some of that goes on. But really, I think there's a lot of cross-pollination that happens in a, in a conference like this and in others. I'm, I'm going to be, by the time you listen to this, I'm going to be on my way to Las Vegas for a major benefits conference. But, you know, I'm really looking forward to that. People being open and sharing and trying to help other people across the finish line, because that's really what I see as being the great win of business, right? It's not just about me making a ton of money. I mean, that's really irrelevant for what I'm interested in. I'm interested in helping people make smarter decisions with their money every single day so that they feel less stressed. So our, you know, the world works a little bit better. And I think the people who are coming to this conference My hope is that they feel exactly the same way about whatever they're doing. And I'm looking forward to being inspired by every last one of them. Well, what a perfect segue to our next Athena-based question, because there are eight Athena leadership principles from the book, Becoming Athena, Eight Principles to Enlighten Leadership by Athena International founder, Martha Mertz. And of course, your principle is give back. And it's a perfect one for you to comment on. What's that mean to you? I come from a family that is very committed to social justice. And I have two sisters, uh, they're identical twins. Each of them is so committed to social justice in a completely different part of the universe than I am. I have a sister who's an attorney who fights on behalf of people, minorities and women, primarily who've been discriminated against at big companies and has really broken new ground and helped her clients gain back some of what they've lost. I have another sister who's the executive director of the William Harris Foundation in Chicago. And what she does is they focus on children age zero to five, early childhood development, making sure every child has a fair start. She's deeply involved in organizations um, in the state, in the city, globally, that work on those issues of how do you give children all over the world access to you know, clean water and food and educational development, intellectual development early on, because that's so meaningful. And so my corner of the social justice world is, again, to help people make you know better decisions with their money. But I help in other ways, too. I'm deeply involved in UNICEF, for example. I've helped them from a marketing point of view. Uh, I'm very involved with the Weizmann Foundation for Science, um, which is located in Rehova, Israel. I'm one of the top science institutions in the world. They're doing incredible work on all levels right now, there's just some groundbreaking stuff that's happening for people who have melanoma and pancreatic cancer, two very, very difficult problems to solve. And what they do is invite the smartest people from around the world in science to come and explore whatever is interesting to them. And out of that has come some remarkable developments that have saved countless lives around the world. And so I give back um, in those ways and so many others. And I think that What it's done now that I've got perspective, right, it's made me so deeply appreciate the great fortune that I've had in my life, but it's also given me just immeasurable joy to help other people across the finish line. And so I encourage everybody to, to give back, to act courageously, to really embrace all of these different principles, uh, the Athena principles, because they're just a wonderful way to live your life. 
Absolutely. And uh, if you if you don't have that book yet, you should definitely get it. And it's something that I, I know that it made a big impact on me when I read it. So uh, you're absolutely right, Elise. Those eight principles are really awesome and they should be adopted by everybody. So let's round into the last few questions here as we get to the uh latter part of this interview. And I'd like you to comment on resources that you would recommend for people. Now I'm going to rep- uh, recommend a few, of course, think link media, which I just referenced earlier, thinklinkmedia.com, and then also bestmoneymoves.com. And that's, if you're an employer right now and you want to learn more about Elise's great program, then check that out. And we'll have those links in the notes, but uh, Elise, uh, what are some other resources that you might recommend that people check out? Well, I, you know, we talked about Gary V earlier. I think he's got some terrific information on content. I think he's very motivating as well. I find that, you know, there's, there are different governmental resources that can be very helpful from time to time. And I find myself tuning back into them. The Federal Trade Commission you know, for people who get harassed over debt, super helpful to understand what your rights are and and understand sort of how companies are supposed to treat you. So as individuals, I find that FTC.gov is very helpful. If you've got uh, student loan issues, uh, the Department of Ed uh, at ed.gov is super helpful. Lots of resources there that I, I think will help. If you've got insurance questions, this is crazy, but one of my favorite sites is the Insurance Information Institute, iii.org. Here we are in the middle of a really what looks to be a crazy hurricane season. We've just had Dorian, which has been devastating for the Bahamas and the eastern coast there are four more possible storms heading our way just in the next couple of weeks so that's a place to go if you're at all concerned about flood insurance um, you want to understand what protections you have you want to get deeper insights it's the trade association for the insurance industry and i i like that a lot as well and then and i'm giving you all these personal finance sites because of course you know i really believe that there are um just so many important details that get lost along the way. But if you uh, haven't been to it, they've redone the IRS website and there's just tremendous amounts of resources there to help you get through tax season. So for those of you who put it off from April, October 15th is right around the corner. Make sure you go to irs.gov. All right. I like to start with my guest and end with my guest. And I, of course, give you the floor at the beginning and then give you the floor at the end. So, Elise, I'd like to pass the mic over to you and have you take out the interview with whatever direction you want to take it out in. And Elise, the floor is yours. Thanks, Jeff. You know, I want to talk to your budding entrepreneur listeners or people who are running businesses for a little bit. And I want to say something to you that, you know, I think is it's taking me a while to get there with best money moves. Right. And I think that there's this question of timing. Right. When is the right time? How long will it take? When were you going to get there? It harkens back to you get in a car with your little, your kids, or maybe you were the little kid. And the minute you start driving, it's like, oh no, when are we going to get there? And I think that my greatest challenge as an entrepreneur is to understand that my sense of timing is not the world's sense of timing. I want everything to happen in double time. And even when I think I'm allowing twice as much time to, uh, you know, or three times as much time as I think it should take, 
it's really never long enough. But somebody said something to me the other day that I thought was really insightful. And in the end of the day, at the first, I really had to think about it. But at the end of the day, well, I thought about it and I thought that's actually a very comforting thought. And this is what he said. It's my friend, Harry. And he said, you know, Elise, you're so worried that everybody's catching up to you, but try to look over your shoulder. Can you look over your shoulder? And he had me turn my head to the left and no, or to the right. No, of course not. All you can do is look over, you look over your shoulder, but you can never look really behind you. And he said that, you know, what you can't see is the shadow you're casting in the industry. You have to have the vision of where you need to go. And as a leader, you never really have an understanding of the shadow you're casting or the way people are following you. But you have to trust that it's there. And no matter what, you have to act courageously at all times. You know, being a leader means whatever foibles you have, whatever fears you have, you have to leave them at the door. And if you can't come to work believing that the path in front of you has nothing but blue skies and seeing where it is, then just take a, a mental health day and stay home because everybody looks to you to follow along. That's really the essence of leadership. And when you're starting a brand new company, you're doing a new venture, you're starting a new division, you're ter- trying to turn something around, maybe you're the only one who can see the path, but you have to see it and you have to believe it. And then everybody else is going to come right behind you. And you may not even be aware that they're there but they will come behind you and they will follow. And so my, my final comment to people is trust yourself. Trust yourself that the vision you have is the right vision and that at the end of the day, the path that you're seeing is going to take you exactly where you want to go. Yeah, it's funny you said that because I got the, one of the greatest compliments that I've ever had in my career when and I was in a leadership position and I had one of the folks come up to me and said, you know, you're always positive. And I was thinking to myself, I'm like, really? <laughs> I don't feel that way. Not all the time, of course. But the fact that you don't show it, I, 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 and I said, okay, that's good. I said, I didn't show if I had, was having a bad day. And to your point, Elise, I think that as a leader, that's exactly what you do have to do. You have to, because again, if you're in a bad mood, it permeates the team, but repeating your bad mood 10 times, 20 times, 30 times, depending on how many team members, that can be deadly for uh, an organization's goals. It is. And it's demoralizing. And today's employees that come to be engaged, they come to be energized, they want a sense of mission and purpose. They want to feel like they're on the right side of history and whatever that history is for your industry. And so as a leader, you have to stake out that path and you've got to communicate it. People say all the time, there's not enough communications in in companies. And I thought, what does that really mean? And what it means is that as as the leader and with your C-suite, you're so busy figuring out that path amongst yourselves that no matter how many times you turn around to tell everybody where you're going, you have to do it even more because they either are only half listening or somebody was out sick that day or they're focused on their financial issues. They're not paying attention fully. Repeat and rinse and repeat and rinse and rinse and repeat. It's all about getting that vision communicated to the people who are going to carry it forward for you, who are helping you hoist the flag and walk, you know, step by step. And so I, I just encourage everybody to really just engage as you can 
get to know your people as you can and allow their energy to infiltrate and move that path forward. It's you won't be sorry you've done it. Well, Elise Glink and bestmoneymoves.com and thinklinkmedia.com. Thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate all of your time. And again, it was just great to have you on the show. Thank you, Jeff. It was really terrific. And I, I just want to encourage everybody listening, please feel free to link into me. If I can be some help, I'd love to do it. Um, you can follow me on Twitter and on Facebook and even Instagram if you want to see the vegetables I try to grow. I've like My husband calls me the blackest thumb in the West the Midwest, but more than happy to connect with you some way, somehow, and help you achieve your own goals. Well, that's great. We'll have all those links on the notes. And again, Elise, it was just great to have you. Thanks again, Jeff. On the next episode of Women Really Mean Business, presented by Athena International, we have a very special show for you, and it's special for a few reasons. Number one, it's number 50. Yes, it is our golden anniversary. But more important, we are going to interview the founder of Athena International, the woman that started it all, Martha Mayhood Mertz, is going to be our guest. And she wrote the book that we refer to on this podcast. And she's going to offer you a lot of value, especially how you can become the best leader possible. This is a can't miss episode. And here's a bit more from Martha. And we can see. When somebody really has a sense of who they are, they are able to inspire other people. Hey, if you're interested in becoming a guest like Martha was, check out our Being a Guest page at WomenReallyMeanBusiness.com. All levels of business accepted. We love a wide range of stories.